1: Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete, from a sprint to Ironman.
0: Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better.
2: As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products including Kicker Smart Trainers, Element Bike Computers, and Ticker Heart Rate Monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals.
1: And now, the ladies you've been waiting for... Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now.
0: and double-checked and it is race week for you. So how are you doing? Oh, I'm so glad. I, I will admit
2: after our conversation last week, I did go to the Ironman 70.3 Coeur website and I was like, it's June 30th, right? The race, because Would've been very bad because I'm planning to race. I have a couple athletes racing. Had booked all my hotel, all that kind of stuff for this weekend. So, so thank you for the little fright last weekend. But yes, June 30th, this Sunday, I'm racing Ironman 70.3 Lane I've heard from a couple of our uh, listeners as well who will be there. So I'm really looking forward to, to hopefully catching up with some people in person and of course doing the race. And Hale,
0: you're the you're the two-time returning champ, right? Yes. Yes. I'm like screaming that from the rooftops. I've never been able to say that before. So, um, (laughs) for at least like
2: a couple more days, I can keep saying that. Right.
0: Does that change? Like the pressure that you feel going into a Right. Like, is it any different for you when you know, like you won, not only the last year, but the year before, you know, like how does that affect anything for you? No, I mean, (laughs) If anything, I know this this course pretty suits me pretty
2: well because I've done well there before. I think that that, you know, gives me a little bit of confidence. It's really nice that it's in Idaho. I live in Bozeman. Um, I'm about, you know, well, normal people, it takes less time. But it takes me about like six to seven hours to drive there because I drive quite slow and take a lot of stops. So it's kind of a, it's the closest thing I get to a hometown race right now. And I, I think, you know, and I just, I just, I do love Coeur d'Alene. It's a fantastic course. It's a great atmosphere and things have changed in the sport a lot, especially in the last 12 months. I mean, we've talked about it a lot here on the podcast with how Kona qualifying has changed and just, I think the demands and the pressures and how sponsorship has changed in last year. And it's changed the dynamic of the race and of the women's race and of what women are racing where. And, so I can't necessarily compare myself even to myself last year or the year before. I, I mean, I compare myself to myself, but maybe not within the field. Um, I mean, it's going to be fiercely competitive and, and not that it hasn't been in past years. I mean, it has been in past years as well. So I think pressure of performance is mostly on, I wanna have the best day I possibly can, given my current fitness, which is pretty good, and given the course demands, which are pretty favorable for me. So those things aside and then you know the idea that I could race some some women who I mean we have some world champions on the start list and who knows who's going to show up but the idea that I can race against them and hopefully get the best out of myself is very very exciting so I I guess being champion kind of takes a back seat to that just trying to get the best of myself I feel like I'm like giving like a motivational speech right here and like <laughs> saying everything I'm supposed to say but these are like the true things I'm actually saying to myself this week because because again yes that if you rank people when you rank me and Miranda Carfrey and Heather Jackson Heather Wortel. I mean those are a lot of women who I've never I've never beat them before so I don't think there's that much expectation that suddenly because I I won this race last year that I should be beating them.
0: I don't know. Do you think I should be? I mean, if I was going to bet, my money's on you every time, Haley. So you got that going for you. And I will say that if you are in a hurry, definitely keep driving slow to Coeur d'Alene. The last time I got pulled over was on my way to Coeur d'Alene, driving from the Seattle airport. And luckily I didn't get a speeding ticket. The guy was super nice because he like had family that did triathlon. And so he let me go, but... It was like right. I guess I flew into maybe would I have flown into Seattle and then driven there or something? And I was I was in a hurry for sure, trying to get something done for my bike um, last minute and. Yeah, got got the the popo pulled me over, but so don't do that. And if you do, maybe you'll have the nice guy that I had, and he'll let you go. Just tell him, tell him you're gonna win it.
2: <laughs> yeah, my my chances of getting pulled over for speeding are pretty small, but you never know. I am I do borrow my parents' car to drive there because my car is, I don't know, it, it probably I don't know if it would make it six hours on the open road. It would be a very enjoyable ride. And I will say, when you drive a nicer car. It's kind of crazy how um, how much how easy much easier it is to go faster. I'm like, "Oh wow, when you hit the gas, it really does go." Just compared to going. my my beloved 2003 Toyota Corolla, which yeah, it has the max speed it, it makes it quite difficult to speed. But thank you for that heads up. I will I will be on the lookout. I will, you know, be safe for sure.
0: Well, I hope you have a good taper week and we can't wait to track you this weekend. For our listeners, our live feisty and noon hydration contest is still going on until July 7th and this is one of the best contests ever in the world. It's to win a year's worth of noon hydration and a one-on-one consultation with Dr. Stacey Sims who is a podcast favorite and is the author of the acclaimed book Roar Women Are Not Small Men. She that's like her tagline, right? She's coined that. Everyone knows her through those things. And it's it's a good, a great prize. So enter that contest. Go to livefeisty.noonlife.com.
2: And Alyssa, I, I did enter because, like you said, possibly the world's best prize ever. And it was so easy. I think I, I did. I just entered my name, my first name, my last name, my email address. And then I got a little window that popped up that said, success. So it made me feel pretty good about myself. So yeah, so hopefully no one else enters. So then I win. No, hopefully a lot of people enter. Definitely everyone go and enter because it is a great prize. And, and I like competition.
0: No excuses not to. And it's that easy, as, as Haley says. And it's another opportunity to be like Haley because she entered so you can be like Haley and enter too. And Haley, we aren't going to go through any mailbags. So thank you to people who have sent in questions. Keep sending them in to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Um, But we have a full interview up for you guys, so we are just going to keep rolling through, actually, into that interview. And a little bit of a connection issue with the internet um, for this one, so just bear with us on, and please be patient so with that. But I think our lovely editor, Erin, did an amazing job with it, the best that she can. Sometimes we make her life a little more complicated. (laughs) And the interview this week is with Sky Monch. And we talked to her just after she was second at the Switzerland 70.3. And prior to that this year, she was second in Chattanooga 70.3, fourth at St. George 70.3. And she also really had a breakout year in iron distance racing last year with a second at Ironman Switzerland and a fourth at Ironman Arizona. So Sky talks to us about all of that. And then coming up, she's actually racing Ironman Frankfurt here. That's two weeks, Haley? No, this, this weekend. weekend. Oh, all the racing. <laughs> I'm all confused. Was, on my, well, see, I'm going to get you. you a race calendar. <laughs> when I'm not <laughs> for racing Christmas. for a while, I'm telling you, I'm just like, no one's racing for a while. Everyone, you are racing yesterday? So, <laughs> but anyway, really great interview um, here with Sky that you can listen to after a word from our sponsors.
2: Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really bad sunburn? I sure have, my very first Kona, I'll never forget, it was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Xelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it and it works great.
0: I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelios products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson, Lindsey Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone? Oh, that's right, and our very own Haley Chura. Well, Zelios products are
2: made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions, and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and
0: peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twixt Chamois Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products, and the Body Lotion.
2: You can use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com to get 20% off. Hi Sky, welcome to the Iron Women Podcast hi thanks for having me so we're super excited to be chatting with you fresh off your second place finish at Ironman 70.3 Switzerland just yesterday you finished only seven minutes behind the multi-time defending Ironman and Ironman 70.3 world champion Daniela Reef. and I think most people familiar with our sport would agree that being only seven minutes behind Daniela is a really good day how (laughs) do you feel about your
3: race How excited was I? Honestly, that was my third race, third seventy point three in six weeks, and which was quite a bit of racing. But I was I was up for it. I was good for it. So to be able to come in on my third race and still put together a really strong day, you know, keep it together physically and mentally. Yeah, I mean, I was super excited. So uh, racing in Switzerland is amazing. So it was kind of funny checking in my bike. All the Swiss volunteers were like, oh you're going to be chasing Daniela. So yeah, I was just chasing Daniela all day and yeah, good day. So I'm, I'm happy.
2: And what is that like to race Daniela, like in her home country? I mean, is it different? Like, do you feel like you're going in and that's the goal to like minimize that gap to Daniela? Or are you like, Hey, I'm going to give her a race, make her work for it.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, any given race guarantee. you know, Daniela being the world champion and Switzerland fan favorites yeah you can't really think about you don't just give up the race before it starts right so yeah I went in and gave it my best and it was obvious that you know she was the fan favorite her name was written all over the streets and everyone's cheering for her but you know I was cheering for me so (laughs) yeah I, I I tried to do my best to put a little pressure on her but yeah
0: and Sky, you mentioned that you've been doing quite a bit of racing recently. I think we might count our weeks differently at the Iron Women podcast because we counted three 70.3s in four weeks, so not six weeks. And I think, I think it depends on kind of how you look at it. But you kicked off, um, we'll just kind of roll through these so our listeners are up to speed. You kicked off 2019 racing with St. George, 70.3. Two weeks later, Chattanooga, 70.3. And then this past weekend, two weeks after Chattanooga, Switzerland, 70.3. We've had guests on the podcast who chat about racing like frequently and back to back and stuff. And many times, myself included, I'll say that that two week window can be like super tough, but it seems that it's working quite well for you as you ended up with fourth in St. George, second in Chattanooga and second in Switzerland. So how did you decide on the schedule and did you like practice kind of with through training that two week window? Okay. First of all, that's hilarious. You're right. That would have been four weeks. I don't know why I even posted
3: six weeks. I think it's because I knew I was going to be home from Australia. I went into Australia March and April, and then I knew I was in six weeks and I was going to bang out three races. So like, I was home maybe five weeks, five and a half weeks. I don't know. Anyway, it's all a blur, right? I've just been racing every two weeks. So in terms of holding up and doing that, like the way my training structured, I honestly training would have been just as hard. I feel like as racing. So I felt pretty confident about it. I mean, I'd done the two week turnaround before, so I I knew the two week was pretty good. I'd never done you know seventy point three, seventy point three, seventy point three, four weeks in four weeks. But yeah. I just trained really, really hard over the winter. I spent six weeks in Australia. It was definitely six weeks, maybe maybe seven. I can't count weeks. Anyway, so I just was really fit and prepared to go through and do those races back to back to back. And I recovered between, you know, it's not like I raced Sunday and was back doing another brick workout on Tuesday. Like, I definitely took the recovery in the few days between, you know, where I was freshened up a bit. So,
2: and Sky, your super strong start to 2019 is coming off of what most would consider a breakthrough year in 2018. I believe you had your first Ironman branded pro podium with a third place finish at last year's Switzerland 70.3. You followed that up with a second at Ironman Switzerland in July and a third at Santa Cruz 70.3 in September. And then you closed out the year with fourth place and a sub nine hour finish at Ironman Arizona. So, when you started 2018, I think you had two years of professional racing under your belt and some solid, though, kind of just off the podium results on your race resume. Were you expecting that big breakthrough?
3: I don't know what I was expecting, but I did make some big changes at the beginning of 2018. I switched coaches to Cameron Watt in March 2018. And, you know, having watched his successes with other athletes, I was certainly expecting to. I mean, not that I just expected that I'd wake up and be a different athlete that once I switch coaches, but I felt like I'd made a significant change by doing that. And that if I worked hard and, you know, followed the training plan and did what Cam told me to do, then I would see an improvement in myself. So whether that was all of a sudden hopping on podiums or whether that was just improving overall, not necessarily, you know, a certain result that I was looking for, but actually seeing significant improvement. Yeah. So I was quite quickly, I felt like, but, you know, I went and trained in Australia in um, February and March before I actually made the coaching switch. So I'd kind of dabbled in the methodology of training that Cam prescribes to me now. So I was kind of already getting used to kind of how the program went and how, you know, the training was that way. And then once I really, you know, fully got on board with Cam, it was, yeah, I felt fitter quite quick and we just worked really hard on improving. We were never focused on a certain result. It was just, you know, let's work hard on improving and the results will follow. So,
0: yeah. And Cam squad is known as the Hills District squad of the, you know, the tri team underneath that. So, you know, the, with the Hills District, what kind of methodologies then are different that, you know, you've found really suit you? And I think it looks like there's quite a bit of like a group atmosphere to it. So is that something that you think was like very beneficial going into that year? Or is it more just the specific training sessions we hitting on some weaknesses? You know, it's interesting,
3: I guess, to discuss both points, the group atmosphere in Australia. Yeah, they squad train, you know, everyone swims together every morning, but and then, you know, they'll do a track session or maybe a bike workout at the um crit track or something. But I'm actually alone a lot of the year in Salt Lake City training just Cam and I just communicate through Facebook and he sends me my workouts through training peaks and, you know, we just touch base every day on how things are going. So while the group atmosphere when I'm in Australia or, you know, when I'm in St Moritz like I am now, that is certainly helpful. But I think just a switch in the training, which for me, I really appreciate. We don't focus a lot on, you know, we don't have zone one through zone five. And Cam doesn't necessarily say, oh, you need to do this tempo run at this pace. A lot of it's just effort based. And I don't even look at watts on my bike anymore. I mean, I look at the file after and I can see it, but I'm not sitting in a workout trying to hit a target. I'm just trying to get the best out of myself if the effort is to go as hard as I can, or, you know, on a run, if I'm trying to run as fast as I can, then there's no, you know, Oh, really working to hit this pace, Uh, you know, on the track, maybe I have a prescribed pace, but yeah, a lot of it is just so effort-based and just being so strong. And that just really resonates with me where I'm just trying to get the best out of myself given the prescribed effort. So I think that's helped me a lot. Honestly, I didn't hit the watts I was supposed to or, you know, I didn't fail because I gave it my best. So it was a success.
2: (laughs) That's so interesting. And I think a lot of our listeners can kind of appreciate that doing stuff more on effort versus getting tied up in numbers. A little refreshing. But we've mentioned the Hills District, and I believe that refers to an area near Brisbane, Australia, and where the squad is based. And you mentioned home for you is Salt Lake City, Utah. So while you're away at camps in Australia, or like now where you're in Switzerland, for these six, seven weeks, you know, these periods of time during the year, do you enjoy that? Is it nice to be like totally focused, to be away from home, or in, in I guess, a little bit of adventure in there, but, um, or do you do you miss home?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it's a mix of both. Honestly, my favorite part about going away, well, one, I love that I get to meet new people and see new places. But in terms of focusing on the training, like, I love the focus that I can put in a training when I'm away because there's no one asking for my time. The only, like, I mean, I call my husband and I stay in touch with my husband and we FaceTime and all that. And But there's no one else, you know, there's not friends and family around to go to dinner or to know, you know, I don't have to tell anyone no, because I'm not even around to do anything. And, you know, obviously I love my friends and family back at home, but when training is really, really hard, you just can't do everything. So you can't go to all the dinners or through all the, yeah, going away is nice to really focus, but certainly I do love being at home. I do really well at home and training alone. I do well. And I have a I have a great setup there and, you know, my husband's really supportive and it's nice that I can spend time with him when I'm at home. But yeah, it's a mix. I certainly enjoy going away, but I do like to be home and, you know, I start every trip focused on the trip, but I'm also excited to get back home. So I wouldn't want to be gone much longer than six or seven weeks at a time, at least if my husband's not with me. So
0: and Sky, we talked with your training buddy and many time Ironman champion and Codaponium finisher, Sarah Crowley, a few months mm-hmm. ago, and yeah. she talked about her swim improvements in recent years and credited it to a total revamp of her swim stroke that had her swimming, you know, way slower for a while, but then she got faster when she found the speed mm. and everything kind of clicked. So did you find something similar? Like, did you have to kind of have your technique looked at like that? And is that something that everyone would go through when they joined the squad? I think that totally
3: depends on the type of swimmer you are already. So it's not like, oh, if you join cam squad, he's going to completely change your stroke. Like if Haley joined cam squad, there's no way he would be like, all right, Haley, we're just going to redo this. Like, (laughs) you know, Haley knows how to swim. So yeah, it depends on the type of swimmer you are. I do not have a swimming background. Like I didn't start actually doing swim workouts until 2015, like coach swim workouts. So for me, it made sense for him to work on my stroke. I don't feel like it was a complete reconstruction. And maybe that's because I wasn't with him every single day like Sarah was in Australia. So maybe I didn't get the day in and day out little tweaks here there. I certainly got the tweaks and the instruction and the cues you know, the things to work on and, you know, n- different gear to use, you know, like he handed me a set of paddles and a pole boy and, you know, we use the band a lot, but yeah, I do have a stroke similar to Sarah's now. It's certainly changed, but I don't feel like I got, I, I don't feel like I went backwards first. I think I just improved what I had already kind of been working on. So yeah.
2: And speaking of Sarah Crowley, I think I'm, I'm correct me if I'm wrong in the, my assumptions here, but I think she was kind of the catalyst for you joining the Hills District Squad because you two became friends uh, yeah. when you would train yeah. together. In or was she, I guess she would come train in Park City, Utah, do like a Kona altitude camp. Can you tell us about your relationship and and yeah, is it right that you guys are friends <laughs> and training partners? Yeah, you, that's a correct
3: assumption. <laughs> yeah, Sarah and Cam were like my first Australian friends, really. So it's great. Um, yeah, they came in 2016 to Park City for the first time. And that's how I met Cam and Sarah. And that's really before there even was a Hills District. It was just Cam and Sarah. So, yeah, we met then and we trained together that summer. And then we stayed in touch, you know, throughout the year, social media or just a a Facebook message here and there. And then they came back again in 2017. So, you know, we trained together again that summer. And, you know, every time you see someone you you kind of build a better friendship. I think we raced together in 2017. We went and did um ITU worlds in Penticton. And yeah, so that's always a good bonding experience. So we've just kind of built the relationship throughout the years. And then when I went to Australia, you know, Sarah was very supportive and encouraging, like, hey, you know, Salt Lake Winters aren't exactly conducive to training outside. <laughs> and yeah, so then I went and we've just, yeah, continually become really good friends I love her beagles the way I love my own dog you know so (laughs) yeah I don't other than that we're great friends we train together you know I think we can help push each other in sessions and we're both accountants we have a lot in common honestly so it's fun for us to chat and
0: relate on things I do think it's funny how you can become quite close and good friends with people that you maybe only see a couple times a year for like a little stint of time, but mm-hmm. through social media and everything these days, like you're able to stay in touch. And I, I think a lot of us can relate to that, but this yeah, is a, a bit of a pivot. Um, we do want to talk a little bit about your start in sport because it's quite inspiring. I think our listeners will appreciate it. Yeah. You, you grew up running and you even ran your first marathon when you were only 16, which I'd love to like, how did you even get into that? Was that like you, something you were doing? to be competitive or was that something you were like you know I think I've run a lot I'm just going to go run a marathon at 16. Yeah,
3: I started running from a really young age and I I really enjoyed it and then the distance running full on addiction started in high school when my neighbor across the street I think she's uh she might be 10 to 12 years older than me. I if she ever listens to this <laughs> I I don't, I'm not sure what her age is, but she was so kind. She was in her twenties at the time and she knew I liked running and she was into running marathons. And she just said one time, like, Hey, well, would you ever want to run with me? Like, you know, I'm training for the Salt Lake marathon and I've always enjoyed a challenge. So I was like, yeah, definitely. And that's how the marathon came about. It was totally because of this neighbor, you know, inviting me and encouraging me to run with her, I guess. So that's when I really picked up the distance running and seriously, I've been completely addicted
0: since so i love that we have to give some yeah. kudos then to your neighbor hopefully she does listen totally. to and, yeah but we'll kind of like grace through a few things and fast forward so after that you raced a lot of local triathlons through college and then you were working as a CPA but you didn't have a coach or do your first 70.3 until 2015 when we think you were about like 4 or 5 years out of college so like what yeah. made you at that point then decide to hire a coach and get a little bit more serious about swimming, biking, and running?
3: Yeah, uh, you're, you're totally right on the timeline there. So after a few years of working in the big four, which is pretty, you know, exhausting and demanding, but also can just kind of wear you out or maybe not <laughs> make you feel satisfied. I started to feel just that I wasn't really being challenged Like, even though working a ton is challenging, I wasn't being challenged in the way that I really wanted to be. Like, it wasn't a satisfying challenge for me anymore. So, at that point, I knew about triathlon and I I followed the pros a little bit, or whatever it was, you know, when they air that. And I just remember one year, like, watching it was probably Chrissy Wellington or something running on the Kona NBC special. And I remember having this feeling and thinking to myself, like, I think I could do that. And, you know, like I would need a lot of help, but I just want to do that. And I think I could do it because I just, you know, I had a lot of confidence, not cocky, but just confident in myself that if I, if I really wanted to achieve something, I could. So yeah, that kind of was like a little seed planted in me. And then when the job got really boring and I wasn't, feeling challenged i i I just kind of had this nagging feeling inside of me like you know i think i could be a professional triathlete like i think i could do it professionally which is very ambitious of me because and i had no idea what it would actually entail to be like world-class level triathlete but yeah then just one day the only way my life was going to change was if i got up from my desk and went and talked to my boss about this. I, yeah, one day I finally was just like, okay, I'm doing it. I walked into my boss's office and just said, hey, he said, you're not quitting on me, are you? And I said, not exactly, but I just really want to pursue professional triathlon. And can I go on a flexible work arrangement, which is just a part-time, you know, more flexible arrangement. So fully hired a coach at that point, but I had my eyes on some local triathlon group that I'd heard of through a friend. And once he said, okay, yeah, we'll work something out. Then I reached out to a coach and said, Hey, I want to get serious. Yeah. And my goal was always to race professional. Like literally I raced amateur for a year and turned professional essentially other than those one or two here and there throughout college and being while I was working.
2: That is so fascinating that you actually went and talked to your boss at work before yeah. you'd ever done a 70.3, before you'd even hired a coach. I mean, that is some major confidence.
3: Well, I, yeah, I think you have to have that. Like, you got to believe in yourself hardcore if you're going to quit your job. Well, I, did, I eventually quit it. And then, you know, quit your job and pursue this sport that you actually have almost zero background in, right? Like, yeah, I could swim. But I was, I had zero background in triathlon other than a few races that I just signed up for and went and did. Like, I had no idea what I was up against. I couldn't have told you what the top female pros were swimming in a 70.3. Like, I had no idea. But I just, you know, just something inside of me. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to have to work really hard, and I'm going to have to get a coach to help me. But I think I can do it. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, I do want to get – we want to talk more about this, about your blind confidence and all of that, because I think it's fascinating. (laughs) But I I have to interject here with a little – CPA or certified public accountant, if uh, people don't know what that yes. stands for, talk because yes. it does seem like there are a lot of female professional athletes with backgrounds in public accounting, and um, yes. yeah, so and also just to give our listeners a little background, when you get out of school, at least in the United States, with an accounting degree, you usually decide to work in either tax accounting or auditing. Yes. So you know, doing tax yes. returns, that kind of thing, or auditing, which is kind of making sure the numbers and the financial statements are backed up and mostly correct. So um you mentioned Sarah Crowley being also a tax accountant, I yes. believe you are. We have Olympic gold medalist Gwen Jorgensen. Um I think Rebecca Rebecca Wassner, she was a tax accountant um as well. And and then there's me, who I think might be yes. the only auditor in this group. <laughs> so so you, my
3: you chose poorly.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I think why in the world did you all decide to do tax when auditing <laughs> is so much better?
3: Oh yeah. Okay, well, just, I better clarify, because I am such good friends with Sarah, I do know she's actually not a tax accountant.
2: Oh, I was wrong. Oh, there we go. What did she, what did she do? Did she M&A do
3: stuff, like mergers and corporate, oh, okay, more okay. corporate finance.
2: Okay, okay. Yeah. So there's like is, different, there are different things. It's not just all tax and audit. Yeah. And white, yeah.
3: But, um, okay, go ahead. But I chose, I chose tax because I feel, I felt like it was more numbers oriented and I really love numbers versus like the ambiguous, Auditing terms, I just didn't, it just didn't go well with me in school. I mean, it went all right, but I didn't enjoy it. And then I also am more of a homebody and I didn't want to sit in a conference room auditing at a client's. I just wanted a little more regularity, which you get in tax. I mean, I did have the honor of going to do auditing on tax provisions. So I did get to sit in a conference room, you know, a couple weeks out of the year. But yeah, every time I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm a tax accountant. (laughs) So yeah, that was my choice. That is
2: okay. I think it's a little bit funny though, that like, I loved auditing. I loved being out of the field. I loved sitting in those conference rooms, chatting with clients. And now I'm like, I like to train at home. And then here you are in Switzerland. (laughs) I know. Oh, maybe no, you should have been an so, huh? auditor you wouldn't have been so bored anyway but in all yeah, seriousness maybe if
3: I ever go back <laughs> yeah yeah
2: try some audit but um in all seriousness is there something about public accounting and maybe specifically tax accounting that you think leads to uh, you know success in triathlon
3: well I think first of all and I, I've mentioned this before like For me, at least, I felt like it took the process of going through school and then sticking it out in the big four, however long you stuck it out for. And then, you know, the CPA exams, like it just takes a lot of discipline, a lot of focus. And then to be a tax accountant, you do have to be detail-oriented. And yeah, you're generally quite, I mean, not everyone's an A-type if you're an accountant, but Yeah. There's, there's certain characteristics that come along with being at least a good accountant. Right. So I think, yeah, my experience getting through school and the exams and then working and being in the corporate environment, I I will say, I think working in the more cutthroat corporate big four environment has made me, you know, tough mentally and emotionally, you know, like you can't, you can't get too hung up on things because I don't know, you kind of had to be tough and not I mean, I'm pro female as anyone, but in the corporate world, oftentimes it's a very male run world. So even being a female in that world, I felt like I had to be like extra strong and stand up for myself or, you know, take a lead role if I wanted it. So I don't know. I think that set me up well for toughing out the sport because it's triathlons hard. Like, man, it's way harder than I thought it was ever going to be. I thought you would just get your pro card and then you'll get like all these sponsors and then you're going to win races and, you know easy, right? Like you just go train and all this stuff comes to you, but man, it's hard. So I don't know. I think it's benefited me a lot, you know, the, the whole picture of being a tax accountant, I
0: guess. And Sky, we'll kind of go back to like, you're starting the sport here, but still getting a little bit of that accounting stuff. So you talked about how you kind of got serious in 2015, but then, you know, wasted no time taking your pro card in 2016. And you know, we're still digging in to figure out where you're finding this confidence from. Do you think that like being a female in a male, like corporate environment quite often was part of that, which gave you the confidence to like, be like, I can do my best. I can be a pro. I can do this. Like, even if you were kind of like a little fish in a big pond for a little bit, but you were confident to make that jump still and do it. Yeah. You know, the corporate and accounting, but honestly. My
3: whole life, I've been pretty confident in myself and not to get into, you know, family background and everything. But I had some pretty challenging childhood circumstances with my parents. And that, honestly, I think is where it really started, where I had to be very tough and independent. And frankly, it kind of taught me that I the only person I can really count on and believing in me or supporting me or like is me if that makes sense. It's like, man, if there's something I want, then I can count on me. That doesn't mean you can't count on other people ever, but I just think I, you know, develop this attitude, if you will, accomplish something, I'm gonna find a way to do it. You know that I I worked really hard as a teenager. Um I paid for all my schooling, all my um oh, super driven if I set my mind to something, Then I figure out a way to do it like there is it might be hard. It's probably actually very hard and it's going to require a lot of hard work, whatever that goal or, you know, what I want to accomplish might be. But I I'm stubborn enough to to put the hard work in and, you know, see it through and make sure that I gave it my best before I would ever call it quits and be like, all right, well. I mean, I don't know. I just don't, I don't quit easily if I'm, if I've got my mindset on something. So
2: Sky, do you ever look back uh, and wonder if you should have spent more time racing age group and, you know, maybe gotten Mm. more age group podiums, gotten that age group Kona experience under your belt before you took your pro card?
3: Oh, that is a good question. Cause I've thought about, you know, the, the path I cho- chose to take to this professional world and some of it, honestly, here's the accountant in me. Some of it, when I think about it hindsight, the path I've taken now, I feel like I could have raced even I even still could have raced pro, but perhaps stayed age grouper another year to actually experience it and grasp the world of triathlon a little better. Even like social media world. And yeah, I didn't do an Ironman until I took my pro card. So I've never been to Kona and I feel like I could have kept working and made more money to save for this very lavish triathlon lifestyle. And yeah, maybe I could have done that. And, but I'm not sure that I would have gotten any, you know, financially or otherwise farther ahead than where I am now, if I took that path. But I, I do think there were probably, I had to learn a lot of hard lessons fast and not hard in that I was like disappointed, but like, Oh wow. Oceanside 2016, whatever it was, man, I got my butt kicked so hard. And you just, you just, I wasn't expecting how fast those top women were. Like I just, I had no idea. And maybe if I had raised age grouper, I would have known, Oh, look at these pro women. Like, I just
0: didn't know. I didn't know the pro women or what they were doing. And Skye, we probably have a lot of women or at least a few women out there listening now who maybe are sitting in, you know, the shoes that you were sitting in, yeah. uh, four or five years ago or something and thinking about going pro. But I think one thing that often holds people back is having the, the, you know, the conversation in quotes and whether that's with like a partner or a boss or whatever. So yeah. it can just be so scary. And it sounds like, you know, you, kind of found the confidence to go and talk to your boss about cutting back your hours initially and and making it work for you because you wanted to pursue pro triathlon. So can you tell people what that conversation was like and like, were they supportive? Obviously, you know, it sounds like they were, but did you have like, you know, were there any unforeseen obstacles you had as you were kind of working through navigating all that?
3: Yeah, good question. So first of all, if you're considering this, the people who you'll have to have the conversations with are likely, you know, your boss or your partner, like you mentioned, and hopefully those people know you well. And so I don't think it was a surprise to my boss when I approached him because he, I was way into running. I was always racing half marathons and whatever. And we, you know, Everyone in the office knew I was the girl who worked out all the time. So I think when I approached my boss, he was not surprised and he genuinely cared about me. He could see that through my friends at the office, you know, how hard I worked, Even, even if I maybe wasn't enjoying my job as much anymore. I still did a really good job. So I think he really cared about me and he was supportive. And then, you know, the same for I wasn't married at the time, but my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, he knew me. He knew what I was about. He knew, you know, I committed to everything. I'm all, I'm like black and white, I guess I'm it's all or nothing. So, um, I think having those conversations make sure, and maybe this is life in general, it's like, make sure you're surrounded by people who truly support you. And then when those conversations need to happen, yeah, maybe they're going to be disappointed because they're not going to that that isn't going to fulfill their agenda, perhaps with you. But in terms of obstacles, I I don't feel like I had many obstacles overall. There were some struggles, and Haley can understand this. Like going part time in public accounting is hard when like I was the only one in the office doing it. So then it's like the the days or hours I wasn't working. It's like, oh, I just must be like laying around, just hanging out and I'm out training. So you, you feel it was really hard not to feel guilty. You know, when I wasn't online, I a job now has um, an online chat system and everyone can see if you're there or not. So, the, you know, there was a little bit of managing that. And then maybe if I got put on a client with a manager who didn't know me as well or didn't necessarily respect or care about what I was doing, then I would have to manage that. I'm like, no. I like, I remember one day specifically I was on my flexible work arrangement and I worked a 12 hour day and I'm like, dude, I'm only supposed to work like 30 hours this week. And he was just so demanding and I was trying to manage him and the client, but sometimes man, you just got to get it done because, and, and that's ultimately what led me to wanting to quit altogether. Cause you know, I'd want to do a little traveling. Cause even with my old coach, we'd, you know, go to Florida for a couple of weeks or in the winter and um yeah so the challenges were definitely managing it was managing people who didn't know me as well and maybe didn't understand so yeah hopefully that answers the question <laughs>
2: It is so interesting to to hear about that because I think you know that is I've seen that I I didn't go part time I kind of I quit cold turkey because I'd seen no. a lot <laughs> of the times I'd seen like new like moms they took kind of they went to a flex schedule yes. and it really yeah. just seemed like it was like they did you know, the full amount of work. They just did it in less time and got paid less. (laughs) Like that was kind of like, you don't get any less work. It was just like, okay, yeah, Yeah. sure. Do it in 30 hours instead of 40 or something or, or 50 hours instead of 60, that kind of thing. But it was like, and we'll just pay you less. (laughs) So there definitely is that kind of pitfall when you do part time. But if you have really, really good you yeah. know, support, like you said, and if you ha- when you have the good managers or partners who do actually respect your time, but it is, it is hard. And it is that is one thing in public accounting when you are switching teams yeah. and when any time yeah. you're working with a client, it's hard to be like, nope, I yes. leave at three o'clock. And they're like, what? <laughs> like
3: you I got to go run. Like, don't you know?
2: <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sure that's something that people deal with all the time. The guilt involved with. Yeah. The, like is taking a nap, taking a nap is working and you're like, yeah, yeah, it is. It is.
3: Yes. Yes. I need to nap. Trust me. Yeah. But how
2: do you manage that now? Even, I know you still work part time a little bit, but like, do you, you know, is this something you just got over? Is it something where now it's like, you're better at setting boundaries? Is it something you just yeah. grow into?
3: Yeah. I mean, kind of, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like my, my triathlon career has certainly grown in intensity and demand. Cause even with, you know, with cam, I feel like I train more and harder. So I'm like even more, you know, tired at the end of a day. And so I think in general, I've really learned how to manage, I guess, other people or other expectations and whether it's actually managing that expectation or perhaps managing the feeling that I get when I have to like manage or turn something down, if that makes sense. So yeah, I, I'm just very, I just have to be so transparent and you just have to not feel guilty and set boundaries and expectations very clearly. And so, yeah, you know, as I've gone along, I come up with my own little like personal rules. Like for example, um, I kind of made a personal rule. Like if I have international travel coming up five to seven days prior then I give myself the right to say no because I'm already, it's so much work to get out on an international trip, at least when you're leaving for six or seven weeks. Like it takes so much to get organized, make sure you have everything. And I don't need to be stressing out about something that just popped up, unless obviously if it's really important, then yeah, do it. You have that discretion. But for me, it's like, man, I don't need to feel guilty if I need to say no to this because. I, I've already got my next five days plan getting ready for this trip, you know? So yeah. And then you mentioned that I still do a little work and I feel so fortunate. I've come upon, um, just some super, super flexible work that I basically can say when I'll have something done and it's pretty much project-based so I can completely manage my time. Um, it's, it's just so perfect. I'm very grateful. It's not doing tax returns. It's a case of- <laughs> you it's just yeah you
0: have to figure out what works for you and have the flexibility so I think that's really great insight to like make some rules for yourself and to realize that a lot of it comes down to managing expectations of others you know and once you yeah. kind of free yourself it free it does it probably takes a lot of the guilt off um yeah and you're just I mean, following even, like the things, you know, to keep you happier. And yeah, yeah. even
3: with friends and family, you know, you have to set expectations and just say, you know, I'm really sorry. I can't be there for that. But, um, you know, let me know the next time. We'll see if it works. And, you know, I don't get my training schedule even a week in advance. So sometimes it's hard to plan because we kind of play things day by day when you're training really hard. Like, how's the body
0: holding up? How are we feeling? And Sky, we know you just raced yesterday, but can you share yes. any plans for the rest of your season and how our listeners can best follow your adventures?
3: Yes, absolutely. So I'm in Switzerland for the next uh, just about four weeks. I'll be training in St. Moritz and I'll be sure to post plenty of beautiful Instagram stories and posts on my Instagram. That's just at SkyMonch. And then my next race is Ironman Frankfurt at the end of June. So that'll be my first Ironman of the season. Looking forward to that. And yeah, then I'll be heading back home. I'll be home in time for the 4th of July. So that'll be fun. And since I'll be recovering from an Ironman, I don't think I'll be training so hard. I can go to some barbecue or something. (laughs) And yeah, then I'll be home training in Salt Lake. And I think we'll we'll get some more races on the calendar, but we're kind of, you know, get through Frankfurt and then really finalize other things, looking at some other Ironmans in North America so
2: well thanks so much for joining us sky and especially just right after your race we appreciate you sharing some of your precious recovery time with us and um, absolutely enjoy the rest of your time in switzerland and we'll be looking forward to following your adventures
3: thank you so much for having me this was fun
0: Haley, do you know what our most popular Iron Women episode has been so far? I do, Alyssa, because you know I love the numbers, and it
2: goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist Stacy Sims. You're right, and do you know what Stacy Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance
0: athlete in mind. Noon Hydration products have clean quality ingredients and are also non-GMO project verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch Flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the Noon Sport in the grape flavor, and our listeners can go to NoonLife.com, and shop with a 30% off code of IRONWOMEN to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know. That's noonlife.com with the code IRONWOMEN for 30% off.
2: All right. Well, if you liked hearing from Sky, be sure to tune in this weekend to Ironman Frankfurt. It is the European Championship race, guaranteed to have an insanely competitive field, and Sky will be right up in there, so be sure to cheer her on. Um, I think they probably are doing Ironman Live coverage on Facebook for that race. Alyssa, do you know for sure? I I don't know for sure, but I imagine they will.
0: I don't know for sure, but probably. It's probably...
2: Yeah, so you wait answer.
0: if you're if you're in the if
2: you're in uh United States, you can like wake up in the morning and watch the run, which is kind of a nice way to watch the European races, like watch everyone duking it out on I think it's a four loop run, so it's like fairly easy to like track people. But fun racing ahead this weekend.
0: That'll be good. And maybe our own Torsten Rad, friend of the podcast, favorite male listener, sorry other guys, will also be getting out some updates because I feel like he's usually there in person, right? I don't, I don't know. My, ge, my yeah, German I don't
2: geography know. is like, I, I think he's, I know he's been at like Hamburg and Roth. Oh, and maybe I am thinking of Maybe he of goes Hamburg. to Frankfurt too. I feel like Germany, I haven't spent much time in Germany, but I feel like they have good trains. So maybe he could like pop over there. Well,
0: <laughs> you know, either, me, either way, hopefully, I'm sure he'll be interested.
2: He'll be tweeting. So definitely like at T-H-R-A-D-D-E. At TH Rad is that that's his Twitter handle, right? He usually has a good handle on what's happening on Twitter, but lots of fun racing this weekend. And if you haven't already, well, big, big, if you have already big, thank you to everyone who has supported us on Patreon. We are extremely thankful for your support. It's motivating us to go out there and get the best possible interviews that we can to work hard and bring these stories to your podcast app of choice and if you haven't already if you're interested in joining our patreon community that link is uh the website is patreon.com forward slash live feisty you know we really appreciate everyone who's signed up
0: well Haley I'll let you go and get ready for all of the racing this weekend have so much fun and I can't wait to hear about it next week bye Alyssa
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women podcast is a Live Feisty Media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FGC Nutrition, and Smashfest Queen.